0: Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling.
1: Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for joining us once again on your favorite method of. Listening to these particular podcasts, we do appreciate the patronage. I'm here with the usual cast of characters for the kickoff. Um, we start with the executive producer, your anchor man, and the picker of the winner of the poll for the Tennessee Titans with Warren Moon, Mr. Eric Watkins.
2: See, it's people like you out there in podcast land that made me change my gin and tonic with heavy lime to milk and cookies for the night. Stay classy, W2M. The unprofessional Jason, you're my boy, Lou
3: Teasley. Ah, uh, you could just call me Neve tonight, and welcome to Catfish.
1: And the Riz Randy Isbell, as our executive producer, tries to recover.
0: I I I, don't, I, I can't follow that one, I, Eric. Since you're not drinking the gin and tonic, I guess just hand it over.
2: Well, I mean, you, you like them, equal parts uh, gin and tonic and a lot of lime juice? Here you go. Have at it. What, so like this show This is out of the bottle. <laughs> I'm just
1: saying this show needs a
2: pop-a-top sound effect. I actually have one if you want me to send it to you, Eric. Gladly, especially when I get my new equipment. I'm going to need all the extra jingles I can get. I got you. Bells and whistles plenty forthcoming. Most excellent.
1: All right, so, we finally finished our greatest of all teams here, and I feel the need to start the show with this particular note. The invitation was extended to Brandon Biscobing to offer his final four divisions for greatest of all teams. Fucking move on. He declined to do so. I'm getting there allow me to be a professional
2: please again we call him the unprofessional for what reason
1: yeah i know but anyway back to what i was saying here the offer was extended and declined the reason i extended the offer was to finish the final team thing which started as a team therefore you will not hear the name brandon bisca being mentioned on this show at all going forward
2: hashtag twinsies It's fucked up, Eric. (laughs) I'd expect that from Jason, not from you. I mean, look, Jason started it. I got a sandwich to end it. (laughs) Besides, it's definitely one of those you-had-to-be-there moments. All I'm going to say to wrap this up is unsubscribe.
1: All right, with that being said, we start this episode of the show the same way we usually do. It's time for news and notes. Mr. Anchorman, the floor is yours.
4: Well,
2: even though there were a couple of different stories that came out today, I will give those proper justice next time. But for this one, uh, Darius Geis, as we all know now, former Washington football running back, uh, let's just say you can only go off the deep end in certain ways. A couple of allegations during his or spanning from his tenure at LSU, two former athletes. If I remember reading correctly, one a former tennis or one a tennis player, and the other a diver. Oh, this is not a good look. No,
3: because (laughs) no, because I mean, you want to go first here, Jason? That's fine. Yeah, um, uh, such a promising young talent going by the wayside because, um, just like a lot of things we see in today's society, uh, people just don't know how to fucking act, and yeah, I'm a little salty this evening. Um, you'll find out why shortly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anytime, you know, we, we see this as a growing trend and I'm going to take my soapbox hop up on it for a second. And for all the NFL is doing for social justice and everything, they're neglecting to do what is needed to be done. And, kind of trying to sweep things under the rug. And this goes back to something that Randy said on our previous serious episode on our latest, let's talk about it that you can find in the archives is, you know, I want to commend people for standing up and speaking out because obviously uh, if this had not gained national attention and the people hadn't spoke out, this probably would have got swept under the rug by the NFL Mm -hmm. and by the organization. Randy,
0: no, the NFL would never sweep anything under the rug until a video came out. That never happened ever. Before. <laughs> no, it, it's I, I'm glad you know that the truth is going to come out and we're going to learn more about this stuff in the weeks going forward. But all we have to say is to guys is well, at, at least you played a couple games in the NFL. Bye. Do you remember what I titled the segment when we discussed him last week, Eric?
1: Yeah. Serious, guy's is thinking with the wrong head. Well, apparently he was doing that back in college, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, if someone like me can even learn that there are times when they need to keep it in their pants, why can't he?
1: Um, we're going to take a quick moment here. We're going to pause for a quick second. We'll be right back. Apologies for that. Something came up off air that we needed to deal with here in regards to the show situation. But now, back to now the dairy I side. will
2: say, normally that would have been a time where we would have an early commercial break. But in previous executive producers, I've had a habit of not fulfilling certain things that they mention. Continue.
1: Um, moving forward, Eric. Hmm. Anyway, to Darius, guys. Um, yeah, all the talent in the world and you threw it all away to try to get your dick sucked. More, less, whatever. Some of these women that are coming out and accusing you. I don't know what you did to them. Frankly, I don't want to know because as a father, if I did know, I'd want to beat your ass if I were those girls as dad. Oh, it's That's bad. It,
2: From what I've read, it's bad. Speaking
1: along the lines of two fathers who are on this panel, I'm willing to bet they would be in prison if somebody did something like that to their little girls. Yeah, pretty much. The point being here, Mr. Geiss, and I use the term Mr. in the absolute loosest sense possible, go fuck yourself.
2: Darius, you, you don't fuck are making guys like me look bad. Think about that. Think about it. There's a... No, there's a difference
1: between consensually doing stuff like that and taking something like that.
2: Oh, no. I'm not even saying it that. It's just... You all have seen the way I look. A lot of people who don't look like me will see me and think of him.
3: Yeah, you look like Ortiz from... uh aw we've just we established that on the show well uh and randy see i see randy does agree with when he got that reference so all right so but this goes Great. back now, to now i'm
0: outed as somebody that watches aw sometimes thanks jason Jeez. look no,
2: randy it's not that bad It's ties to jacksonville and i live here it's okay it's okay <laughs>
3: Eric does stand in work when, when he can't, the, during the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, te- technically, when they've been in the
1: stands during this pandemic, it's actually been Eric and you just didn't know. Yeah, See, I have so.
2: my
3: ways of hiding. All right, so, I mean, this, uh, just to wrap this subject up real quick and not give this fuck uh, much more uh, air time than he deserves, this goes back to the previous show. Uh, and... It's the the culture that has been cultivated and that we're seeing more and more often. Just like sliding into the DMs that we discussed that led on to one of our most intriguing and engaging conversations, this uh, happens as well. And like I said, I mean, I don't want to give his fuck any more uh, credit than what he deserves. So, I mean, the next topic I think is going to be a little bit more in-depth. And something we need to tackle head on. So, Eric, on to the next episode.
2: Yay, yay, yay,
1: yay. Well... I we are just going to do that at the end of the show from now on.
2: No, like I said, with me, I can only do it in full at the end of the show. Y'all will see. But for, for this next one, we get a little bit of a twofer. Because um, one particular former announcer, happened to slur his words on a hot mic, and another one slurred his way through an autocorrect fail. Now, normally we don't see potential careers collapse and end in real time as quickly as we do, but we may have just witnessed that with Tom Brenneman, who, former Reds announcer in the booth who happened to extend his work in the Fox Sports family to also call NFL games. Well, there was a hot mic coming back from commercial. He was describing some currently still unknown city in a very homophobic slur sort of a way. Then does the Reds promotion. And if that wasn't enough, when he apologized, he literally stopped mid-apology to call a home run. Needless to say, he left the broadcast in short order. And if that wasn't enough, you had another announcer in another sport, another broadcaster for the Charlotte Hornets, lucky enough to be in the bubble, happened to be watching a playoff game, because let's face it, Charlotte wasn't in it. What else do you have to do? And he is now suspended after sending a tweet that doesn't even get the chance to age well. Yeah, some autocorrects shouldn't exist for certain reasons.
1: Alright, let's go ahead and talk about a couple of these here. First of all, the Tom Brenneman situation. Um, my assumption is Kansas City, since that's where they were for this particular game. But I don't know.
2: Mm-mm. It's, mm, it's. I'm I want to say. I want to say it's a West. I to say
3: it's a West Coast, uh, San Francisco, Bay Area. But more to the point here,
1: um, it is the word that the the British use for cigarette. Except here in America, it has a much different connotation. Oh yeah. It's short for a different six-letter word that you don't say. Speaking of six-letter words you don't say, John Fokey, I assume that's how that's pronounced. Although it is your spell. I mean, it's your spell, like, how he acted, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and again, Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. He, like, how do you not proofread your tweets? And
3: how how do you... you... How do you make that, that difference between nuggets and a
2: racial slur? Yeah, and how was that autocorrect in your phone to begin with? Okay, so just out, of, just out of theory, I wanted to try to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. So I actually typed that word
1: into the uh, messenger. And my phone autocorrected me,
2: which means that that's a word that he probably uses on a somewhat regular basis. Thank you. That's what I'm getting at, because there are a lot of words I use on a regular basis, and my phone takes a while to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. You look in the
3: predictive text. I mean, a it, it your phone typically uh, does predictive text when you type certain letters, uh, and if if you immediately hit the letter N and that pops up, you're using that a billion times more than what you ever should for your phone to automatically go to that being your first initial word when that is being discussed. So, yeah. So as, as, as for the, the reds thing, I'm kind of torn, uh, to be honest. I mean, I'm going to be very candid here. Um, because do I agree with what was said? Hell no. Uh, you should er treat, uh, Harry as, uh, you know, you've done, Uh, wrestling shows. You should treat every mic as a live mic. Absolutely. Uh, That's that's everything, I've always heard. It's
1: broadcasting one hundred and one. Yeah, even when you don't think the mic is recording, it's recording.
3: Yeah. Do I think that I? He acknowledged it as soon as he said it, and he acknowledged that it was take. No, when if you listen back, because I've I've researched this as soon as he realizes that he says it and then he immediately goes in. It's like, I think it was like a two to three second. And then he immediately says, it. and he immediately and be, and everybody's saying because of the quick response, he acknowledges what he was doing. Um, but, you know, that could be debatable. And I'm sure uh, I see Randy's wanting to jump in on this, but do I think, that his livelihood should be taken away over one mishap—that's the part I'm torn on. Uh, I think he should be reprimanded, maybe attend some sensitivity training, something like that. To be totally canceled, I don't agree with. Uh, I mean, he is one of the better uh, sportscasters in our in our day and age that you know we all are familiar with. So. I don't justify the actions, but I also don't justify the the backlash because you see a lot of athletes on the opposite side of the spectrum doing things like that, and they're getting nothing. But with this culture today, people tend to pick and choose the severity of things based on... Two people could do the exact same thing, and depending on what side you fall on, you can have totally two different outcomes. Randy, I want you to jump in because oh, we haven't heard from you much lately.
0: Yeah, and I think I 100% agree with you as far as I don't think that Brennan should lose his career over this. It's a really stupid mistake, and I think the apology was fake as shit. Um, but. I mean, the dude's been doing it for 30-some years. I hate cancel culture. It is a mistake. Suspend him for this season. Let him come back next year or another team pick him up. Anything like that. I do want to correct you, though. It was not instantly that he corrected himself. He had said it during a commercial break, I believe, at the end of Game 1 of the doubleheader. They were getting ready to do the preview for Game 2, and his – his apology happened, I believe, in the fifth inning of Game 2. And I know it was yes. not instantaneously because it was in between games when he said it, and he was interrupted by a home run live on Game 2 when he had said the apology. I believe no. he had said it the moment that things got to him that, you know, internet, the Internet had been blowing up. But it was not right after he had said it.
3: No, I'm saying that he acknowledged the mic, the mic picked it up. He didn't acknowledge what he said. He uh, he acknowledged the the mic was live almost instantaneously, and it was picked up. He, but from everything I'm seeing, you know, from what I've read, it was he he realized what he said. He realized it was picked up, but he was he was wasn't for sure if it caught that exact part because it went right into it so that's what i was saying that he he acknowledged he acknowledged the Mike was live almost
0: instantaneously after saying it i got you okay i got you but i and mean, still I, i'm with you as far as the council culture goes i think his deal is a stupid mistake it's stuff you shouldn't say but even as people that say you shouldn't say stuff like that i'm sure we say stuff that we shouldn't say in the, in the privacy of our own homes. Like I I'm very much against the N word and all of that. So I don't say that, but I'm sure I say stuff that some, somebody else would find offensive, which I make sure that there's no mics around me that might possibly be live. But I, I think the, the whole Twitter thing I th- is more offensive because you guys have, have all said it. It takes a long time for your phone to go. Okay. I get it. This phone that I'm trying to auto correct you on you. That's what you say. I'm a big baseball fan. Baseball season's going on right now. Huge in the fantasy baseball. I say dinger all the time. I I text it to people all the time when one of my fantasy players hit a home run. I don't say home run, I say her. My phone still tries to auto correct it to singer every time I type it. And I do it multiple times a day every day during baseball season. Not leaving mean –
2: but different story. <laughs> and I mean
3: uh, you guys know me, and anybody that listens to the show knows me. I say fuck a lot, but by God, my phone still thinks I'm talking about goddamn ducks.
2: <laughs> yeah, my, I'm right there my, with you. My phone learned faster than that. You need to get yourself a better phone. Motorola's are very handy when it comes to that particular autocorrect. I speak from experience. All, all I'm going to say is my phone needs to stop
1: thinking I'm trying to call people ducking assholes.
3: Yeah, and when I send that girl the deck picture, good lord, that gets me in trouble. (laughs) Trying to send my wife deck pictures, and she thinks I'm trying to do home improvements.
2: Now, now, hang on, though. Are all of these deck pictures solicited? Big difference. Well, Well, it is is my wife. Fair enough. You have mentioned before you
1: guys have hallway sex.
3: Yeah, we walk you past each other and scream fuck you to each other.
1: Again, the, the, the classics never on the kickoff. But back to the, um, to the announcers thing here. Uh, as an announcer myself, obviously not to the level of a, of a Tom Brenneman or even to the level of a John Folk. You have to always assume that the microphone is on if you're Tom Brenneman, and you have to always assume that somebody is going to watch what you're saying if you're John Folk. I had an issue with wrestling before, and I've talked about this before, that it got me fired from a wrestling show. One of the companies that I used to work for, because I said something on a hot mic that I still stand by to this day. But in the context of the timing that it was said, it was considered not appropriate. I'll share the story with you guys right now on the show here. It was right after it was right after the ultimate warrior had passed away. And I'm doing a show for a company called Black Diamond Wrestling based in West Virginia. And at the start of the show where we were streaming live on the Internet because we had the capability to do so, they aired a tribute video for the ultimate warrior. And me, I've never been a Warrior fan at all. Cannot stand the guy. And I think I've told this story to you guys off air before. And we come back and into a hot microphone, I say, you know, I respect the fact that he tried to make amends at the end there. But let's be honest, kind of a douchebag. I was no longer on commentary a couple of shows
3: later. Well, I mean, that goes back to, you know, his whole uh, commencement speech that he gave that, I mean, the world go around. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I'm all for forgiveness. Uh, That goes, uh, that tie, actually, that ties real good into this. Uh, I mean, you know, take that. He was a predominant figure in the wrestling world. He made that as a commencement speech. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was at a college commencement speech. Who would ever, who would ever think that that would be a somebody that you want talking about the future leaders of America? Maybe they need to ch- check their AD. But anyway, I mean, that ties back to this. I mean, for, for everything that he said that was very non-PC and everything, and uh, for him to be given forgiveness, why do we hold certain people to different standards Going back to what I said, I mean, that takes I'll I'll make this and we can move on. I was up last night. uh, I think I was actually talking to you guys waiting uh, to take the dogs out. And uh, are you guys familiar with the movie Rush Hour? Yes. Yes. Do you know that they now run a disclaimer in front of it, as well as many other movies? upon looking that these movies were made in the '90s, and they don't, uh, and racially charged jokes are not acceptable now. And it's a movie, um, and you now have these disclosure disclaimers running in some of, in front of some of our movies that were predominant comedies and action flicks of the '80s and '90s. We've got to a culture that they are now considered. Where you they might be offensive, so they have to run this disclaimer in front of them before they will even air it. And there actually a lot has been edited out of Rush Hour when you watch it on a network television now.
2: I must not watch a lot of movies on network TV anymore. Man, Either absolutely... that or me being in Florida because I haven't seen any of that shit. Well, yeah, you. I, 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 now you know
0: was... what, I know. I know. What I know. Have to do because I know we were checking out that new Peacock. Streaming thing that NBC does And all three Rush Hours are on there So now I have to go look after this
1: USA Network aired Rush Hour 3 After NXT last night And disclaimer These yeah. movies were made during a different time But was considered acceptable back then May be considered offensive to certain viewers Viewer discretion is advised
2: Yeah, I'm viewer and I'm like Well, why the hell did you take this shit out In the first place? That's why I don't watch hey, Network Eric. TV to begin with Hey, Eric <laughs> Yeah, Isn't it also true that you never touch a black man's stereo? Well, obviously. Even Jackie Chan said the same thing with a Chinese man's So It goes both ways. So,
1: to summarize here, and then we're going to move on because I think these were the only news topics that we had for the week. They to summarize here. For Tom Brenneman, the suggestion that I'm going to make, and Jason kind of touched on this year, donate his sal- the rest of his salary for this year to an anti to an LGBT anti defamation agency. To John Folk, the the announcer for the uh, Nuggets, or not the Nuggets for the uh, Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah, I can't help you, homie. You're fucked.
2: They're, they're the Hornets again. So whatever. They're he's still fucked. Yeah, he is.
1: And with that, we move on. OK, so the reason we did such a short news desk this week, desk phone, I said desk. Anyway, the reason we did such a short news desk this week is because we're actually starting our 2020 NFL predictions and previews. We're going to start with the AFC and then starting with the AFC, we're actually going to start with the AFC. Or not, I did it again. Wait yeah, No, I you did it. I'm about to say it. It's like, wait a minute.
2: So we are doing we're the going- NFC after all. <laughs>
1: yes, absolutely. That's a call back to last week's episode. We're starting with the NFC. One of these days, I'll get this correct. It won't be this week, apparently. But in order to do that, we're going to start with the NFC East. And starting with the NFC East, we might as well go to our residential homer to begin the previews. And that would be Jason Teasley.
3: And uh, as we're doing the East, we do have a special guest who is the neve de my max here on the W two M. It is Mister. It is the head uh, and the one who writes the paydays here. It is Sean.
4: How are you doing, Sean? Pay?
3: Well, he takes my payday. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, we have a resident cowgirl fan on the show tonight uh, that will be t- helping Randy discuss the Dallas Cowboys. And what is known as Jerry, Jerry's World. Uh, so, yeah, as we're going to talk here, um, we're going to kick it off with my beloved New York Giants. Now, the glaring thing that we'll be missing from the 2020 New York Giants team and, you know, thankfully for every other um, team except Philadelphia in the division uh that will be the absence of one Eli Manning who had has retired and officially handed over the reins to Daniel Jones. Um as a Giants fan, uh it does it does come with a heavy heart that, you know, we did lose um, you know, pretty much uh one of the franchise greatest quarterbacks in Eli. But um a lot also some changes uh, happened in the Coaching staff, you know, we lost Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, Hal Hunter. uh, But with Sean being on here, it's be a perfect time to discuss. We did uh, gain somebody who I feel wasn't prepared to be a head coach and was way over his head, but I think he's going to be a hell of an offensive coordinator. And that's when we did add Jason Garrett um, from Dallas. So I think, uh, coaching wise, we did an upgrade. I think our offensive line upgraded by adding, uh, Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, Shane Lemieux, um, uh, Cam Fleming and Tyler Haykopf. Now we did lose, um, what is one of my, one of our biggest losses on the offensive line is, uh, Nate Solder, uh, did, uh, did opt out of the 2020 season. So I think that that will be a, a hard hit, Um at the other skilled positions, uh, not really anything uh, to write home about. Our receiving core is still intact uh, for the most part, um, relying heavily on uh, Shepherd, uh, Shepherd, Tate, and um, the emergence of uh, Darius Slayton. Now we are tight in position goes one of two ways, either with Ingram or without it's either we're good to go or we're absolute shit. So, I mean, running backs, of course, we've got arguably one of the top three running backs in the league. I'm sure, um, Sean will expound on the number two running back in my opinion in the league, uh, when him and, Randy tackled Dallas defensively. I didn't do much research because I had to work all day. So we won't talk much about that. So, but I look for the giants to have a very good season. I don't think that I I don't think that they're going to be able to go over that cusp yet, but I do see them finishing um, with a possibly, I see them going 500 on the year. Pick somebody to go next. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get Eric out of the
2: way. I, uh, oh, I, I see how it is with that smile on your face. Well, there's some good news for Eagles fans. You Good got- news,
1: everybody.
2: <laughs> good news, everyone. You still have Carson Wentz as your quarterback. <laughs> but, yeah, for a man to... Throw for four thousand yards in a season, where none of his receivers got five hundred, and you're still you know nine and seven division champs. Don't want to talk about the wild card game, which I would understand. That's the good news. The bad news is you ideally would want some improvement from that wide receiver core, and you've still got Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list. I mean, yes, you have Deshaun Jackson. Yes, you have J.J. White whiteside But what else do you really have? And can Carson Wentz basically do it again? If he can, then you're going to finish right about where you were last year. If you can't, or if he gets hurt and you turn to who you drafted in Jalen Hurts, well, that's going to be a whole other can of worms. Defensively... Thankfully, not a lot of major changes, which is good because you were okay. Yet, you want to do a little bit better as for maybe giving up not so much against the run. But in another, I would say potentially weakened NFC East, if you could go through a season that was the opposite of what you had industry-wise, you're bound to make a little bit of noise. I, as we usually do, will give my order a finish once we're done with this division. Who's next? Harry, um, care to talk redacteds for a bit? Yes, you can call them
1: the Washington football team all you'd like to. On this particular show, they are now and will forever be the Washington redacted. That being said, you know what? They should be considered the Washington what-the-fucks is this offense because there is literally nobody of interest outside of Adrian Peterson and potentially the comeback story that we discussed last week with Alex Smith. Yes, Dwayne Haskins Jr. is still listed as the starting quarterback. Will Dwayne Haskins last the full <laughs> season as the starting quarterback in Washington? Probably not. Will Adrian Peterson be able to carry the load in Washington? Probably not, given his advanced age and tenure in the National Football League. Is there anybody on the offensive line that is going to scare any defensive lineman around the entire NFL? Probably not. And there are no real standout wide receivers. There is a pretty decent tight end in Logan Thomas out of Virginia Tech, who I do think has potential. To be a very good tight a very good pass catching tight end in the NFL. And if I'm not mistaken, he actually went to Buffalo right out of college and then signed this past offseason with Washington. So I remember I remember seeing that name in a Bills uniform before. That being said, there is nobody on Eric, you're the resident expert around here. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaren, Steven Sims Jr., Antonio Gandhi Golden. Anything for any of those names
2: no
3: candy golden will be a really
4: guys Terry McLaurin had a pretty great season last year
3: yeah McLaurin and golden will be two of the most under the radar receivers in the NFL with a legitimate quarterback
1: I was going to say you guys are forgetting that it's Dwayne Haskins trying to get them the ball right now
2: I mean, yeah, if we had Alex Smith under center, then yes, you've got some pretty good weapons. And you have a significant, although not necessarily down the field offense, one where you can get long drives. I mean, if Dwayne Haskins can put down the phone, stay off Instagram and actually play football, if he can get locked in like that, then okay, you may have a fighting chance. See, I
1: think that defensively is going to have to carry this team here because there are some studs on the Washington defense. Ryan Kerrigan, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Chase Young, who was the number two pick in the NFL draft this year. Thomas Davis Jr., a former man of the year with Carolina and put up some monster stats with the Panthers as well. Landon Collins, who who Jason knows very well from his time with the football Giants. There's actually some talent on this defensive side of the ball here, and if defensively they can carry a probably suspect offense to anything resembling commonality, like the ability to have a balance between the two sides of the ball, Washington may be able to surprise a few people, but I don't think they'll surprise enough people in order to get out of the basement in the NFC East. We'll talk more about official order of finish for the division a little bit later on. Randy, I throw the floor to you because you officially from the show have the Cowboys and you can bring Sean in as necessary.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see what, what Sean says, but obviously the big acquisition for Dallas is they finally got a quarterback and Andy Dalton. No, I'm sorry. No, they have still have Dak Prescott. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, they, they added a kicker. They got Greg Zerline, right? That's gonna no. I, I don't know. Yeah, they hey, don't be go excellent.
2: knocking Greg the leg, all right? He could be a significant <laughs> contribution for the notch wait, above mediocrity that is the Dallas offense. Wasn't, wasn't there a really big defensive signing, Randy?
0: Well, there was till he got hurt.
1: Oh yeah, didn't he like yeah, t- drum, didn't he like tear his quad or something?
0: Yeah, Drew McCoy hit himself like a couple days ago. And it's since been released, so that didn't go well for him. Um, but I mean, we'll see what the C.D. Lamb will do, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. It'll be interesting. Tron. what do you think? I know you're going to be more positive about your team than I am.
4: Okay, first of all, Everson Griffin adds a ton to the Dallas defensive line. He now makes DeMarcus Lawrence have a lot easier time. People get to the quarterback, so you have two tandem defensive ends, which they've needed for a long time because it's been D-Law. And, and we saw it last year with uh, Robert Griffin. Actually, Griffin, who now went to the Bears, uh, he, he was the one Nobody that actually did more last year. So, you know, if uh, you can do the same thing, where whether it's Griffin or, or Lawrence coming at you, and if Vander can stay healthy on that defensive side, which now Vander is moving to the middle, so now Jalen Smith's not having to cover everybody, which is his terrible – he shouldn't be out there in coverage doing anything. Uh, if he can just run straight down uh, the middle, uh, that's that's what he's uh, he should be doing. You know, the, I think you know what the Cowboys are on offense, and I don't think we really have to expound too much on that. Um, yeah, Mediocre. You know. Doesn't uh, regardless of whether they were mediocre or not, they uh, were still the second most efficient offense last year uh, in the entire NFL. And now with a much better coach, um, you know, without that piece of shit clapper over there, uh, so you know now you got a much better coach, uh, better entire coaching staff that actually you know makes good decisions and knows what they're doing. Will actually uh, make this uh, okay entire. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to disagree with you there because if that coaching staff knew what they were doing, Andy Dalton would be starting.
4: No sir, no sir. Dak Prescott is the
1: single most overrated quarterback in the NFL.
4: How many? How many? uh, How many uh, playoff wins did Andy Dalton get again?
3: He's like, got,
4: I'm just saying,
3: he's like, we're acting like as Andy long as he Dalton is some godsend or something. As long as he has just, more than one, he's got, he beats pretty much the Dallas, entire Dallas franchise since they I'm last Bowl. I'm just saying, we're Bowl. sitting
4: here acting like Andy Dalton some no, godsend.
3: I, no, no I mean, I, I mean, i me, taught me, you give jabs because we are division rivals. Uh, Talent wise, I think Dak is a good quarterback. Between the ears, I think he's a piece of shit and he doesn't know what he's doing on the field. Because he doesn't make good decisions. He doesn't make good decisions off the field. And I think that's why they brought Dalton in. You know, me, me and you uh, talked, and I, I told you flat out, I don't think that Dak would be the starter in Dallas. I think that where he hasn't signed his thing, they would start shopping around, and rumors did swirl. But what I want to make this, and I'm actually going to give you a positive, is I think Jerry Jones got the still of the draft. Do I think that he needed to add Lamb? No. But to add Lamb in that offense and place him in the slot where he could absolutely destroy um, underneath and get like open field yards after catch, I think that they got somebody that can get him the ball, especially losing Witten and not having that predominant tight end position. Lamb is going to annihilate linebackers that try to cover have him coverage and it's going to be an absolute nightmare to try to catch in the open field. So I do commend Jerry Jones for that. And I do do think that Dallas got to steal the draft by, by snagging the lamb when they did. And even though they needed uh, help elsewhere, which I mean you yourself on draft day, we've talked and you said, you know, I me, mean, you kind of were surprised with it, but Jerry took the best player available. He didn't. He didn't draft for need. He drafted for talent, and yeah. whoever you put under center with that offense, I mean, I'm pretty sure any one of us five could probably be a mediocre quarterback with that talent behind us. They always have a good offensive line, that that does give protection. I mean, you do have uh, Elliott, who is arguably two two A two B. You know, interchangeable him and Barkley as the second best running back in the NFL. So you've got you've got somebody that you can hand the ball to, and then you got a Gallup Gallup Cooper and now Lamb, who is possibly a one of the top receiving courts across the board. And yes, I'm oh. actually giving Dallas credit, and I'm I'm so shocked in myself. I kind of threw up a little bit. But I mean, the offense has the talent. My problem is, I don't think that they can win with Dak Prescott. I have
1: a very yep. well, I have a very real question for everyone on the show because we kind of jokingly talked about this a little bit in in the, in the uh, group chat. But I genuinely think it's going to happen, and we'll do this in the old show format here. Randy, buy or sell by week seven. Andy Dalton's the starter in Dallas.
0: Jokingly, buy, but I will say so. Jason?
3: I would buy that. I don't think, I, I think Prescott gets the start, and if they struggle with him the first three games, he gets pulled for Dalton. Eric?
2: Honestly, especially with Mike McCarthy and what he can try to do with them offense, they get off to a bad start. I would honestly buy that.
1: Sean, you're the Dak apologist on this panel. Do you think that there's a chance that it could happen if he gets off to a bad start?
4: Not by week seven, no. no, no I, I, only, I, way, only way Dak is not playing is if he gets COVID or he gets hurt. That's it. Yeah, Anything he do he not better... playing unless we're talking about way further into the season and the Cowboys have no chance or we're resting Dak because... You got the division sewn up for some reason, which shouldn't happen if the uh, Eagles a game. Well, that ain't going to happen. So,
2: hang on, so. hang on. Realistically, say you're well, you start out two and four, or even before that, say a zero and three or a one and four. Knowing everything that's going on in this off season and everything leading up to this, you have that bad of a start. You don't pull the trigger and put Dalton in.
4: No, because do you know it's Dak? Was it Dak's fault? Every single game that got lost. Was it was it Dak's fault? Was it the cornerback core that is not that great? Was it well, you know the, we? I mean, we don't know. That's say, what I'm I saying. Mean, I you're say say you're, say you're blaming a about, one and four start, and you're saying, oh, are we saying Dak threw twenty interceptions like uh, like Winston? I mean, what are we saying here? What is the reason that you're you're pulling Dak? Just because they lost by three three times? I mean, that's the thing.
1: Here's the thing, though. If you're Mike McCarthy and you're trying to make an impression in this new job and you know that you might not have Prescott next year anyway,
2: you're planning for the future. Not to mention you're right, saying, but again, okay, you're not blaming Dak, but you put in that scenario. You lose by three three out of those four games or every single game is one score or you're close, but you lose. Are you maligned then to say, Oh, even if we end up like the Los Angeles chargers, we're still going to keep Dak in a quarterback for this year.
4: Again, we act like we don't know what Andy Dalton is. Do you really need to trot Dalton out there to prove that Dak Prescott's not going to be here or not? Um, is if you're going to, to go decide eight, to take the eight, money regardless,
2: you might as well do it cheaper. Come on now. It <laughs> okay. doesn't
4: matter. They don't get to save any money by not playing. Real yet. quick,
1: real it's quick. Like, All right, hold on. Before we go too far off the rails, sir, I actually do want to. I will personally admit on this show that I have an Andy Dalton bias. Uh, Eric and Jason know why they were around when it happened. Randy was not, but I'm sure he can probably figure it out. All okay. right. Did yeah, you I send
4: did him flowers too? I may
1: have. I may have donated to the Andy Dalton Foundation. That's all <laughs> I'm saying.
4: And I don't have a problem with Andy Dalton. He went to TCU. Like that's not my problem. Like it's like I'm just saying. I will say getting, this much: It seems like you all guys, you all just want Dak to fail so you can win some bet that you have between yourselves or something. It's like oh, seriously, if the guy goes out and earns game. his money, no, you know, it, I mean, I mean, would... like. You what I have the issue
1: with Prescott is, Sean? And this is the honest-to-God truth here because we've talked about it on the show. I have an issue with that Prescott wanting more than he's worth.
4: Okay. Look, he could go get injured and not get to play the rest of his career tomorrow. So you don't go and ask for the much money you possibly can? Oh, Most right, people but- are not realistic when they ask for money.
2: Okay. But they serious. ask for the
4: highest they can, and you meet somewhere in the middle. He decided not to. But That's
2: just willing to
1: compromise. That was the problem. Jerry offered to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL.
4: I don't know what he's he, – you know, again, like, that's his business. I'm not going to hate or, or, so, so, so or you, whatever so on the team. Whether would you really whether...
2: commit, with the salary cap the way it's going to be the next couple of years, would you really commit in the realm of $40 million, $45 million? Not right now. But if that, he goes that, out
4: there with this thing and they wanting. play well, then he earns it, right? It, it, that's it, it, the whole point. Okay, Dak so it, is betting on himself. So, if the Cowboys suck and he still, right, right, still right. ask for this money, then he he screwed himself. He doesn't deserve it then. But I'm just saying, like right uh, now, that's that's Dak's problem. I don't. He Dak is not the entire Dallas Cowboys. Dak is one player. But
1: that's so. and that's.
4: Co- kind of the thing
1: that we're saying here is if you're knowing that you might have to move on from him anyway, I think that's why Dalton gets a shot. That's Amen. all I'm saying. Especially if, if especially if you know you're not going to pay Dak Prescott what he's going to want next year anyway, there's no reason to suffer through a subpar performance when he knows he's on his way out the door.
4: Fair enough. Means- I still don't think that Jerry's not an idiot. He wants us again just like he's not some owner that sits in the box and doesn't do anything that guy watches the game just like everybody else he pays attention to what's the reason why they lost and why they won yeah maybe that's part of the
3: problem you said he's not an idiot but he kept jason garrett as a guest man for how many years hey that's because
4: he wants to control jason garrett he ain't stupid
3: well Uh, you just said he wasn't uh, an idiot but yeah i I mean that's not
4: dumb on his end he
3: sacrificed his franchise To keep a a guy that was over his head, that is a great offense coordinator, but was over his head a head coach. All right, all right.
1: We do have other divisions to get to, so let's go ahead and put a nice, tidy little bow on this here. Jason, you started us off. You'll start us off. Predicted order of finish. Record's not necessary.
3: Uh, Predicted order of finish. I'm going to go Philly. Uh, it's, it's tight. I think it's going to be Philly, New York, Dallas, Washington. I think it's going to be a game difference. It's going to be a, it's going to be come down to a tiebreaker on the division side between New York and Dallas. Eric predicted order of finish for the,
1: for
2: the NFC East. I actually said NFC this time. All right. See, <laughs> you, you, you get the hang of it. Your, your brain count out to the auto, correct. So, uh, a mild flip-flop from Jason, I think, but for those same reasons, I think it will be close in tiebreakers, but Philly, Dallas, New York, Washington.
0: Randy? Exactly what Eric just said. Philadelphia, Dallas, Giants, and Washington.
1: Sean, I'll let you go ahead and go here, because you're our guest.
4: Go ahead, Harry, and...
1: No, I want to hear your predicted order of finish. Uh, okay. uh,
4: I think it's going to be a tie-break between Dallas and Philly. Dallas winds up taking it, New York and Washington.
1: Okay, A, there's not a snowball's chance in hell Dallas sniffs that division title this year. Okay. I think Philadelphia got destroyed by injuries last year. You can't count on that happening again as a Dallas fan. And a healthy Philadelphia team is a dangerous Philadelphia team. Eagles run away with this division by at least three games. Philadelphia, I'm sorry, Jason, but I do think Dallas finishes second at eight and eight. The Giants at seven and nine. Washington goes three and thirteen.
3: I'm glad how you said don't predict records yet you do. Add because I want it,
1: <laughs> right? I needed to make I needed to make a point about Dallas going eight and eight. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean if we want to, we can do like uh we can do like a, a a record prediction for the article that's going to go up on the website. Uh, yeah, we could
4: do that there, if y'all want to.
3: That uh, requires me doing more work than I'm willing to do.
4: I feel like when you have them written, it's, everybody kind of expects that you have some kind of record because anybody can just put four team names out there. As we saw in the uh, USA be Today me- that you posted. Well, are yes. We- if we're going to write something, I'm doing it. I meant
1: are you going to be joining us for the rest of the previews?
4: Oh, well, yeah.
3: Okay. As
1: long as you're sticking around, then let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, we started with the East, Jason. Where are we going
3: next? uh we're going to the the blue collar north of the NFC uh and I'll kick us off uh I took nope nope, nope. you started that You're lying. I I don't <laughs> care
1: nope you you can't start all the divisions that's some bullshit I don't want okay. to start all
3: of them I just want to pick start somebody else two. to start okay I pick Jason <laughs> uh so so uh okay Ooh, I, picked, I I I picked the chairman of the W2M network to start um, so, a hey, chair, oh, got this? I pi- I'm He's picking the chair. For I'm picking the chair. I'm picking the chair to start. They're just speaking
2: through me. Oh, no, um, no, 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 because as last I checked, the chair is probably worried about some WNBA game or what have you. Uh. Well, they did open Buffalo I Wild. I wonder if anybody up. told the chair, it's the Nuggets! The Denver <laughs>
3: Nuggets! Well, I mean I mean he probably did get, get to go back to work. They did open oh Buffalo God. Wild Wings back up. So um this is this is a tricky uh tricky team for me to cover because you have a lot of potential, but you have a lot of question marks, um, mainly being Matthew Stafford and his back. He had some micro fractures last year that he played through. And arguably, I think I have to respect him. Um, Don't kind of agree with what he's done off the field recently and some of the things he said, but I I respect his on-field. I think they're set at quarterback. I think Stafford is a very viable upper tier that kind of flies under the radar for people. Um, But what the biggest upgrade that we see in Detroit is the emergence of drafting of DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, who gives uh, the Lions a great running attack by committee, with a great uh, receiving back with Swift coming out of the backfield uh, to pair with Carryon Johnson. They have a lot of similar styles. Swift has a, a little bit better hands and a quicker cut, and you know Carryon does have that injury bug that does ha- has haunted him his career. But I think this makes a great one-two punch for Detroit uh in that now at receivers I mean you do have Kenny Galladay and one of the most underrated receivers and I don't care what anybody says he's about 104 years old and that's Marvin Jones who steady steadily is a prime wide receiver too for any team that he makes plays and he uh, draws defensives you have to You have to um, plan to um, put up a defensive front against Gallaudet and Jones. Uh, My emerging tight end is Hawkinson, who uh, was a rookie last year that came in. Him and Noah Fant uh, came in being uh, highly touted tight ends. Uh, As we all know, tight ends don't usually take a little bit to gel and progress when coming up to the NFL. So I think he's going to have a big year. Um, Defensively, they was 21st and they ended 21st in in the league on the NFL side uh, and uh, rushing yards allowed um, 13 touchdowns and seven runs over 20 yards. Uh, Opposing running backs averaged right around 4.1 yards uh, per rush. So, I mean, they're passing. They was last, allowing 4,500 yards and 33 touchdowns through the air with only getting seven interceptions. Um, I I don't really think that we're going to have a big turnaround from that. I think defensively uh, it's going to be shootouts for Detroit, but with that offense, I think that they can. Uh, run up and down the field, it's just going to be a matter if you can put the ball in Stafford's hand at the end of the game and let him lead you on a game-winning drive. So with that, Harry, I'm going to go over to you since you bitch.
1: All right, first of all, um, the the biggest issue with Matthew Stafford that I have is that over the last couple of years, he's basically been Matthew made a glass Stafford because he cannot complete a full season recently. And it's uncharacterial. Because when Stafford is healthy and Stafford is leading the Lions, we saw what that team is capable of having a couple of postseason appearances earlier uh, earlier in the 2010s. So with Stafford under the controls with Detroit and them having the offense that they have, they have the ability to surprise some people with the receiving core that they have with Stafford at quarterback. And now you mentioned the one-two attack at um, running back with DeAndre Swift and Carry On Johnson. Kind of funny to see SEC rivals lining up together in the backfield like that Georgia and Auburn. I'm actually going to be talking the Chicago Bears, however, and the reason I have the Bears is for one particular person that I wanted to talk about, and he's actually on the defensive side and arguably the best defensive player in the National Football League right now, and that's Khalil Mack. The thing about the Chicago Bears defense is is that they've actually added a few other pieces this year, in addition to having a lot of their other big names returning to the team here. I'm looking at the depth chart in the base three, four that they play over on ESPN.com and I'm seeing names like Roquan Smith, who had a really big year at linebacker. I'm seeing names like Danny Trevathan, who's had opportunities in the NFL and has previously shined before. I'm seeing a guy like, um, I'm seeing a couple of guys on the offensive line, like um, Akeem Hicks, who's had standout performances during the course of seasons as well. So defensively they have the opportunity to still become that old monsters of the midway defense, similar to a team that similar to the defense that led them to the postseason a couple of years back. The problem is offensively, but they may have had the solution to that because a man who has escaped the indignation that is Jacksonville, (sighs) Nick Foles will Nick Foles will be looking to make a difference in Chicago. And I think this is one of the ones that we can guarantee that if Trubisky fucks up within the first couple of weeks of the regular season, his ass is getting benched for Nick Foles. In addition to that, you have a running back team of David Montgomery, who surprised a lot of people last year and Alan, or excuse me, and Tariq Cohen who made a really solid one, two punch Receiving core of Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Ted Ginn Jr. Ginn Jr. is also good on special teams, although he's kind of designated that role nowadays to Cordero Patterson. And then Jimmy Graham at tight end, but their first round draft pick is going to be challenging Jimmy Graham, and that would be Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. Realistically, there is quite a bit of talent on this team. However, whether or not they're going to be able to put together all of that talent
0: remains to be seen. Randy yeah so I have the the Green Bay Packers and and they're going to be really interesting because I don't really think they addressed anything that they really needed to on in the offseason I mean we all remember their draft where their first two picks were two positions they really needed apparently a quarterback and a running back and Jordan Love, AJ Dillon because that will help them this year they do uh, go out and get Devin Punches, but with all the COVID stuff going on, he decides to opt out. So that doesn't really help him either. Uh, they get Christian Kirksey out of uh, the Cleveland Browns, a nice little linebacker that should help out a little bit. So basically, they bring back the same team. I mean, they didn't really lose much either. Or, I mean, Jimmy Graham wasn't a big deal for them. Neither was Geronimo Allison, a nice little third or fourth option for Aaron Rodgers. They do lose Beluga, one of their linemen. Uh, so that might affect them a little bit. So honestly, as far as the Packers go, is this going to be how they handle all of the background noise that they created with that draft And I mean, it's I'm going to be on Aaron Rodgers and how he, he is able to focus? Is he going to be like Tom Brady after deflate where he's going to go out and just I'm going to show everybody I still got it and it's not because of this or that or I'm not worried about the quarterback behind him? Or is he going to get to him, and he's going to try too hard and throw too many interceptions? It's, I mean, that's where the Packers are going to come down to. I mean, they have a very good team, of course. I mean, Aaron Jones had a fantastic season, especially if you're a fantasy owner and all the touchdowns he got. And he had AJ Dillon to that backfield; it should be pretty good. Uh, Devontae Adams, one of the top five wide receivers out there, is good, but still doesn't have a lot around him. Since Funches is back, you have Lazard and Scantling. Out there, So it's going to be tough for the, the, the offense. Defense was okay last year. Uh, they did add a lot of younger talent to that just for some depth, but but no like game-changing moves there. So if anything, I, th- I think the Packers take a small step back and probably still are in playoff contention.
1: Uh, real quick before Eric does the uh, Minnesota Vikings here, I do want to mention something about the Packers. We talked about the quarterbacks with Chicago. I think Green Bay is going to be another interesting case here. And I will go on the record as stating this right now. If Jordan Love ends up as the starter in Green Bay this year, they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree
0: with it.
2: Did Eric, is Eric with us? I'm with you. I was just thinking about that last bit, and it's like, yes. But then the state of the division. But Eric, is a smile. Reason. Look, I'm, I can't smile too much yet. I haven't had enough to drink. Come on now. All right, his I'm just ki- gonna go with his ki- I couldn't see him because his camera's off center. He was off
1: to the side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's why I, right, I was Eric-
2: actually saying something again. Oh, All we're right, Eric.
1: Th- Start <laughs> with that one, Harry.
2: All right, Eric. Minnesota. No. the good news I'm going to say right out of the gate on paper, schedule wise, this is a 12 and 14. Why do I say that? 12 of the 16 games kick off at 1 o'clock Eastern. Why do I <laughs> highlight that particular thing? Yes, you know him. Some of you like him. Kirk Cousins. Now, the biggest issue aside from him, and actually, you know, playing when it's not as light and sunny outside, is wide receiver. For as good as Adam Thielen is and how he can be, do we really see him fitting into the number one spot with Stephon Diggs now going to Buffalo? That's going to be a major, major factor in the passing game, especially if something happens with Dalvin Cook and you get that safety net all of a sudden out of nowhere gone and having it more on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. Now, I granted, when it came to scoring, Not so much yardage because the last year the team was in the middle of the pack at 16th, but they had the eighth best scoring offense along with the fifth best scoring defense. Offensively, if they can collaborate something, then they could take a little bit less pressure off of their defense, which I'm telling you right now, still somewhat formidable, but they got a lot younger, a lot faster faster especially with depth they're pretty much their entire well not their entire but the majority of their draft defense 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 and picking up some undrafted free agents along the way so if anything happens to where that depth gets tested that's going to be a significant issue do i see them repeating the magic that they had from last year not directly but again the way that this division is set up, there's a lot that could happen.
1: I think Stephon Diggs is too big of a loss, personally, for Minnesota to recover from. I, think I that don't. Stephon, I think that Stephon Diggs helped protect Thielen, and I think that Thielen as a number one is not going to work out.
3: Because Thielen will not be the number one. Are you guys forgetting
2: Justin Jefferson that they drafted? I'm not, for, I'm not forgetting him, but how quickly, especially without a preseason, is he going to be able to establish himself in this offense? Uh,
3: well, everything coming out of training camp is he is took to the offense and is burning everybody that lines up against him. He is creating separation. He's got great body control. Thielan doesn't have to be the number one. You still have, arguably, people sleep on the tight end and Kyle Rudolph as a safety valve. You you have Jefferson. You drafted Jefferson, who is predicted to be the top uh, rookie wide receiver in this class, based on his landing spot and the role that he's going to take on. I mean. I Thielen, Thielen is a possession receiver. Thielen is the is West Welker three I, I mean he'll get he'll move the chains, he'll he'll break a play every now and then, he'll move the chains, he's he's your old reliable. But Jefferson's going to stretch the field, and I see him being a huge asset in this offense, opening things up and being and being uh, uh a much better replacement than his predecessor.
1: Agree to disagree on that one here. Sean, do you have any particular thoughts about any of the four teams involved here?
4: I will say that I I think Tarzay Sharp is a great grab for Minnesota because he's like one of those kind of under-the-radar guys that can have a good game and provide like an extra third receiver when uh, something goes wrong for um for Kirk cousins i do think still vikings have a lot it's really going to go on the health of Dalvin cook we see how that team goes when he plays well team plays well and if he gets hurt that team is significantly hurt um i still think it's the packers division to lose i think the bigger thing to look out for is is there is that divide between coach and aaron Rodgers going to rear its ugly head again or is that finally in the the past with them and we finally just get to see them be cohesive or we do see Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers tries to do too much, like uh, Randy said. And I do think that we what we saw from the Packers defense last year, they're only going to get better. They were much improved as the year went on and they were kind of what held that team really well, a lot well together, especially once Devontae Adams uh, went down. So I think uh, it's really between those two teams, honestly. Predicted order or finish, Jason?
3: Uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit.
0: Randy? Uh, Minnesota and Green Bay as well. I'm buying into Detroit a little bit more. I'm going to take Detroit third and Chicago fourth.
2: Eric? I'm going to flip-flop a little bit. Green Bay, then just barely behind Minnesota, then Detroit, and Chicago, probably way back.
4: Sean? Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago last. And yeah, don't be surprised if you see both Trubisky and the coach out of here.
1: See, I think if Trubisky's gone, though, I think Foles takes over and does a good enough job for them that he's able to make them somewhat relevant in this division, especially with the injury concerns that Detroit's had with their quarterback position and Matthew Uh, Stafford. We thought
2: thought the same thing down down here. (laughs) Yeah, we we thought the same (laughs) thing down here in Jacksonville. Look what happened.
4: I'm going to go
1: Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. But I think Chicago and Detroit will be tied. It'll come down to divisional record.
3: I think we're going to the South, Jason, right? That is correct. And since Harry bitched, I'm going to let Harry kick it off.
1: uh, Yay!
3: With the the South.
4: Hey, that's the name of the show. Anywho.
1: (laughs) So... I got New Orleans, and this was by request. I think this was the division I got to pick first, and then I wanted it New Orleans, plain and simple, because of arguably maybe the most underrated quarterback in NFL history. And you could make the argument for one of the five best quarterbacks in NFL history at that, in Drew Brees. Eric, we talked about this on a prior episode of the kickoff when we did our NFC South Greatest of All Teams, mm-hmm. and you hit You hit us with a stat that Drew Brees is something like 2,400 yards away from becoming the first quarterback
2: in the history of football to have a combined 80,000 passing yards. You are absolutely correct. I'm going to double-check his numbers one more time so I can get that exact figure. I think it was
1: like 2440-something. I believe it was like 2440-something. But here's the thing. The reason that Breeze is going to do so well with this offense is because of all the weapons that he has with this offense. Let's talk about the fact that, yeah, the the NFC is loaded at running back. You could make the argument that run CMC is the best. And we'll talk about run CMC in this division here in a few moments. You could make the argument that Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back in the NFC. You could make the argument that Saquon Barkley's the best running back in the NFC. You could also make the argument that Alvin Kamara is the best running back in the NFC. It is a top-to-bottom loaded position in the NFC, and frankly one that I'm surprised the Pro Bowl committee doesn't have more and more difficulty with every year just because of how stacked it is. In addition to having Alvin Kamara in uh, in uh, New Orleans, they also have the former Minnesota Viking running back Latavius Murray backing him up. Go ahead, Eric. You had the
2: stat for us. Twenty-four hundred yards on the button, away from tying the current world record. So, twenty-four hundred one to pass the world record. Twenty-five eighty-four to get to eighty thousand.
1: Thank you very much. Back to what I was saying here. The other thing that's going to help him is the fact that he is probably one of the best tight ends in the NFC, and Jared Cook. And maybe the best one-two wide receiver combination in the NFL in Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. This Saints, offense is, this Saints team is predicated on offense, and they are, loaded with, with, they are loaded with weapons at every single position. That's not to count the new signing, J- Jameis Winston, who might see time late in games, if he can get his head out of his ass. And I think Sean Payton will help him with that. That's not to count... Wildcat option, Taysom Hill, who has had many incredible performances coming in to spell Drew Brees in the past. Defensively, it's, it's a different story. Because defensively is where this team has struggled in the postseason. Defensively, and well, referees, let's be honest. But defensively, they've gotten burned several times on plays in the postseason that have ended up costing them games. Specifically what happened? with the Minnesota Miracle and Marcus Williams, who is still the starting free safety for the New Orleans Saints. Specifically, Marshawn Lattimore has had more than his fair instances of getting burnt. The secondary is a weakness on this team. The modus operandi in New Orleans is outscore your opponent. And in my opinion, based on what I'm seeing defensively here with the, with the top-to-bottom lineup for the defense here, it's going to have to be the same once again this year. Can the offense continue to play basically ping-pong and put up as many points on the board as they can
2: in order to spell the defense that's going to allow more than its fair share? Eric? Oh, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Taysom Hill because I was wondering where that was going to go. But uh, for another team that's a little bit more maligned, it's Atlanta. Ever since the magical times, depending on how you look at it, of 28-3, to 3, it hasn't really been pretty in Atlanta. It, for the Falcons, you never know mentally they'll finally be able to get over that hump or get back to where they even were. And now, with this sort of a retool, I'm a little bit more skeptical. At running back, you've got Todd Gurley. How are his knees going to hold up dealing with everything with arthritis? How are you going to have with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? Can they continue to be that one-two punch? And especially with Julio, now that he is in his 10th season, can he still keep things up as the way he has before under the helm of Matt Ryan? With tight end, now what are you going to do with Hayden Hurst, who you got in a trade from Baltimore? Those are some of those question marks that I worry about on that side of the ball. Then defensively, for everything that was Vic Beasley, gone. Now you're inserting everything that was Dante Fowler. How are you going to try to incorporate him along what would otherwise be just a so-so defensive line? Are you really going to be able to win these kind of middling games? Or are you going to put together with these tools something that I'm going to personally say I wouldn't really expect? This isn't one of those divisions like we've talked about so far here in the NFC. This is much more crowded and you would really have your teams at the top, I don't see Atlanta being one of them.
0: Pick the next person, Eric. Randy. All right. So I got Tampa Bay and, and like the other two teams that I've been set to talk about, Tampa Bay did nothing in the off season and nothing is, no, just kidding. Obviously this is the big story the entire off season with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski coming over to Tampa Bay which I think is going to be an interesting setup with the great wide receivers that they have over there in Tampa Bay with with Godwin and Evans. I I am a little sad to see Jameis Winston go. Jason would probably attest to this too as a fantasy football player. Jameis Winston was a god to fantasy football. You took your negative two points at the beginning of the game and you knew he had to throw it 50 times after the fact and he would end up with 25 points every week and it was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, is going to be really interesting. I, I I like that. You're already hearing word that Bruce Arians is already cussing out Tom Brady. He's just treating him just like every, everyone else. And Tom Brady's really cool with that. So I, I like how that's going to work. Uh, the one thing that I, I worry about any of these teams coming in, obviously, with a very minimal training camp, no preseason, is is, is setups that are, are brand new. New head coaches, new defensive coordinators, new offensive coordinators, or in this case, a whole new quarterback who has a completely different system than the old man an area and so how long will it take tampa bay to kind of get rolling you always see tom brady usually take a couple weeks to kind of get things going in new england it's like they 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 stick stick it in third year for a little bit feel things out and then get going as as the weather gets colder obviously as a jets fan i thought todd bowles was a terrible defensive give him a second year there i think the defense is going to improve as well it's just honestly about how everything's going to mesh in Tampa Bay. And they have a really, like Eric said, this is a tough division. And especially when you look at having to play New Orleans twice and it's not giving me division win for Brady this year. So it's going to be a, a fun one to watch, I think all year long.
1: Jason, the Cam Newton era. Yeah. Jason, the Cam Newton era has ended in Carolina.
3: And for some reason Harry thought that I was going to like he was really looking forward to me covering the the Panthers because of Cam Newton. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out why because I was never really a big Cam Newton fan. Uh, I, uh on the field I was never a Cam Newton fan. Um, off the field, I was, uh, he did a lot for the community and stuff. So I I will put that out there. Now, the biggest thing about this team is the, what's on the future. They have arguably the best running back in the NFL and, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, he is a dual threat, both, uh, coming out of the backfield and as a runner, What is great about it is um, we had Teddy Bridgewater make a lateral move, leaving New Orleans and becoming a Panther and arguably uh, one of the best upgraded uh, transitions for the division. I mean, outside of the Brady thing, I mean, I mean, that's debatable. I mean. Like Randy said, if you're a fantasy football person, eh, that could be debatable because Winston would get you negative six and then throw for 750,000 yards, uh, and 12 touchdowns in garbage time.
4: Uh,
3: but, but the, the most significant thing, uh, with the Panthers is the addition of Teddy Bridgewater and their draft. Um, all seven picks of the Panthers draft this year was on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you do have a solid offense um, with the addition of Bridgewater uh, receiving core needs to be uh, upgraded. Uh, they did lose Olson who took his uh, wheelchair and Walker and went to Seattle and now it becomes a weapon for Russell Wilson. Uh, but I mean, they went out and they seen the trend in the division and wanted to beef up their defense. So they used all seven picks on the defensive ball side of the ball. Uh, Primarily uh, the defense, their uh, seventh overall selection, Derek Brown defensive tackle. Uh, They added a pair of uh, linebackers in the second round. And I, I really like this team now. Uh, I think this is going to be the surprise team of the division, and uh, they're not—they're uh, going to sneak up and get some wins. This is arguably the toughest division I have on paper to try to predict, uh, because you have so much firepower and defense that can match that firepower across the division. I mean, Arians uh, is going to get that Tampa Bay defense started up and they've got an offense to match now. Uh, Carolina doing, you know, with the addition of a, a upper uh, tier quarterback that will, will transition and we actually will get to see what he's capable of um, with a, with an offense. And then they go out and attack the defense side. New Orleans is always going to be there. And who knows what Atlanta team's going to show up. Um, They're the and Hyde team. Uh, So I I really think I'm really scared to try to pick this division, so that's why I'm going to go last and let you guys go first so uh, everybody can just not copy off of me and just totally pick complete opposite of me.
1: All right, so before we actually do division predictions here, I think that the thing that we need to talk about is the fact that this division is going to hurt itself in the long run this season. And what I mean by that is is these, two, these four teams are going to beat the crap out of each other. And they're probably going to weaken each other to the point that when it comes time for the postseason, even with the expanded postseason with seven teams making it from each conference this year, that – the teams that do come out of the NFC North are gonna be right for the picking come postseason time. Eric, agree or disagree?
2: I agree to an extent, but and I'm gonna kinda of tease my order here. They're going to you beat go up. ahead. Well they're going to beat up on each other, but I think they're all going to beat up on Atlanta because I think that even with what they tried to do in the off season, I don't think it was enough. New Orleans 1, in my mind. Tampa Bay 2 because, let's face it, Gronk love football. Gronk like porn star. Gronk gonna love Tampa. Carolina 3 and Atlanta right in the cellar. I feel like we're gonna find Gronk on Pornhub. Randy,
1: buyers sell that these teams are gonna take it out of each other to the point that none of them have a good performance in the postseason.
0: I actually sell it. I think that is more the case for the last division we're going to talk about today. Jason.
3: I'm going to sell that because, uh, as the old adage goes, iron sharpens iron. I think by having that constant, um, level of intensity and gameplay, you're going to actually see the, the winner, um, out of this division go very far in the, playoffs if not uh, win the Super Bowl
4: Sean I'm going to agree with Randy Your opinion it's not matter. The, uh... I'm just I think it's going to be more the NFC West uh, than, All right,
1: than we'll this pre- division we'll predict the NFC West next however we do need predictions for the NFC South Randy
0: uh, I'm going New Orleans the win of the division Tampa Bay second and then Atlanta over Carolina a little bit lower
1: I am verbatim what Randy just said. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Carolina.
3: I'm going Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta.
4: Sean? Uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Carolina's going to be doing their pseudo tanking for Trevor.
2: Hey, now, no, no, no. There's only one we'll team talk- that's set to tank for Trevor. We'll talk about them we'll- next week.
1: We'll talk about them when the A preview meets the AFC here on the kickoff. We now go to the final division out in the NFC. We head to the west.
3: Jason, who's going first? Uh we'll give it to Sean first, our, our our resident um guest. And because just
2: we are general, all... general
3: we'll... thoughts, Sean.
4: Oh, uh, this division's gonna be fun. <laughs> uh I think you got to watch out for Arizona with uh, Kyle Murray now getting a throw to Andre Hopkins Kyler. and Kyler and then getting a the throw to Fitzgerald and Hopkins on the same team. I mean, talk about awesome. If you're uh, Murray trying to get better uh, in this uh, as a quarterback and then, you know, Kenyon Drake finally gets to have his time uh, getting out of the, uh, the shadow of what, what was there. And I think that that defense is – going to, to improve, so I think watch out for Arizona to take wins off uh, some of these other teams. I think San Francisco didn't do enough in the off season, and I think that running back, I mean, it's great scheming by Shanahan, but I, it's going to be so hard for them to do that, uh, rushing so much like they did last year. Uh, I think that's going to get found out a little bit, and and this, this division is going to be fun because Seattle also – even though I don't think Jamal Adams is going to be that huge piece that everybody keeps saying he is, because they need more of a pass rush to more defenders. But with Russell Wilson there doing magic, you, you never know. And I don't know what the Rams are. Are they going to be the the lap back half Rams, or are they going to be the beginning uh, Rams this year?
1: All right, pick one of us to start.
4: You know what, Randy, go for it, man.
0: All right. So I got the San Francisco 49ers, and I don't know what it was with me picking teams that that picked up a, a key acquisition that decided they didn't want to play this year, but uh, they have picked up <laughs> Travis Benjamin to replace Emmanuel Sanders. And Travis Benjamin opts out. Uh, and it's good. I mean, obviously, 49ers making Super Bowl last year and having that thing dead to rights until, what, seven minutes ago, and then Mahomes did Mahomes things, and Robert Taylor had an orgasm. <laughs> But
4: and and I and think the standards drop I, that, pull, pull. that also
0: too, and I, I think he, I think it's still going as, as we speak. But San Francisco does lose a couple big pieces. Obviously, the Forest Buckner getting traded to Indianapolis is gonna hurt. Joe Staley retiring is gonna hurt, and they do lose Brita, who is really good for them. But they have enough running back depth, where I think that's okay. Uh, a nice pickup out of uh, Arizona State in the draft, whose name I'm gonna butcher, but Brandon Ayuk. Is that how you say his last name? Close enough. But yeah, close enough. Yeah, nah, it's, it's somewhere there. Put, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. uh, put him with Samuel be all right. Obviously, Kittle got the big payday. You add in Jordan Reed, which will be interesting to have the two tight ends set. I, I think Garoppolo's good. Uh, I, I know he kind of got shit on there for, for blowing the lead in the Super Bowl. And I don't think he's top tier, and he may mm-hmm. never reach top tier. But I, I would put him top half in the league. And when you have a really good defense like the 49ers do, and you have some really good weapons around you, especially at running back with most certain Coleman. And now you have McKinnon, who who has struggled to ever stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and, and be that change of, back, change of pace back and do some crazy stuff out of the backfield in the passing game for him, I, I think the 49ers can be just as good as last year, even though they lost some key pieces.
1: Yeah, one of the things we talked about during when we did our Super Bowl review last year was the fact that for all the people that were blaming uh, Garoppolo for what happened in that game, that's just as much on the coaching staff for losing their aggressivity as it is on Garoppolo for not being able to execute maybe as well as he was in the first half.
2: Aggression.
3: I'm Where's making up words here. Be oh. aggressive. Be aggressive.
2: Look, I mean, if I got the vibe right, we're going in order of superciliousness, and for this division, from most to least. So I had to chime in at some point. <laughs>
1: All right. So
2: who's going next, Randy?
1: Ah, uh, go ahead, Harry. All right. So I take you over to the Seattle Seahawks and. The thing with Seattle is you mentioned the Jamal Adams thing, Sean, and we talked about that in depth, obviously, with Randy being a Jets fan. And we all agreed on this show that the the Seahawks overpaid. Two firsts and a third. We all agreed that the Seahawks overpaid. As good as Adams Adams was, and as much as the secondary has kind of been the calling card of the Seahawks over the course of the last decade on defense. Their bread and butter right now is inside of their linebacker core with people like Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, and Shaquille Griffin. That's the heart and soul of their defense right now. So Adams coming over to to solidify the secondary while nice, it's not the driving point of the Seattle defense at this point anymore. I do want to focus on the offense here because we are primarily an offensive-focused show here on the kickoff. And I want to talk about who I think got the job of this entire offseason, and that's Will Disley who I actually thought had a really good season with Seattle last year before he got hurt. And I think that the signing for Seattle of Greg Olson from Carolina is kind of an
3: insult to Disley's performance.
4: Well, no, Wilson, not, not really. No, man, he's, I mean, good at, he's pretty good at blocking as well. So.
3: Well, I mean, that's just kind of, I, I think that was more of an insurance policy thing uh that are uh, disrespecting because you can run out of that two tight end set, Disley release disley and let Olsen block, which you know is is something that he is good at because he has that walker out there to help with with his extra blocking abilities because you gotta fight him and the walker. Because he doesn't put the he puts those tennis balls on there so it gets extra traction so you can't just throw it to the side.
1: So, uh, Eric's losing his snuffleuppa. Gets over there anyway. Um, the other thing that I wanted to discuss too is Russell Wilson apparently hasn't aged at quarterback playing for Seattle because he's still the, basically the same Russell Wilson he was when he came into the league. Maybe a little bit smarter version of the Russell Wilson he was when he came into the league as well. He doesn't run quite as much as he used to, but he's still known to scramble on occasion. Running back, is a, running back is a question position for me. Chris Carson had a good season last year, but is Chris Carson going to be a consistently good running back? And Rashad Penny, as his top backup, is not a name that's going to strike fear into people despite the numbers that he put up at San Diego State University a couple of years back. The receiving core is solid. T, uh, Tyler Lockett, Philip Dorsett, the former Indianapolis Colt, but obviously the big name to talk about is DK Metcalf. Who had a very good rookie season and is built like a brick shit
3: house? You know who he reminds me of. Um, I don't know if you guys are old, old enough to remember. You know, I want to show my age here. Uh, do y'all remember David Boston,
4: the former Ohio
3: State wide receiver that was in Arizona and then he went to the yeah. Chargers? Mm-hmm. That is that he reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf. The The style of play and the build. I mean, just absolute powerhouse wide receiver.
1: Not to mention for a guy that's built the size that Metcalf is, he has very good explosivity as well. That's a word, right, Eric?
2: Yes, that is a legitimate word. Very good. Or explosiveness. Yeah, but explosivity sounds better.
4: If he can just uh, cast the ball a little bit more, he will help a lot. (laughs)
1: Yeah, his hands do need work, because he did have quite a few drops last season. I think he might have yeah. had more drops last year than Larry Fitzgerald's had in his career. <sighs> Way to step on my... my, my we my already step. discussed that with Fitz when we did Greatest of All Teams, NFC West.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 okay, okay. So, we're trying to do all this. Y- y'all want a squid bit? Fine. The man, a man has never had an MVP vote in his entire career, even with everything that he has done for his team in this division. Russell Wilson, nothing. Think about Uh, that. I I...
1: sincerely doubt that. No, it, look it up. I'm going to once we're done with the show.
2: Absolutely. Because I don't,
1: I don't buy the fact that Wilson's never gotten an MVP vote. Okay. I
2: didn't either. I was like, that couldn't have been true. So I'm like, holy shit. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I brought up Fitz, um, Jason and
3: you
1: have the Cardinals.
3: Uh, yes. Uh, so let's talk about the Cardinals. Um, obviously one of the, you know, outside of the Brady thing, the huge, uh, name that is, uh, changing zip codes was Deandre Hopkins. Coming from Houston to the desert of Arizona, which I think upgrades this offense a thousand percent, and gives Murray a legit top five receiver uh, to throw to. Uh, granted, Fitzgerald is is the goat. Uh, he is a an amazing receiver. Uh, we've talked about him. You know, having more tackles than he has dropped passes. But adding adding that consistency across from a premier receiver such as Hopkins, I think that that's going to make this offense scary. Uh, Drake got a transition tag. I think that I think that, that worked out, uh, him coming over from Miami. A lot of people have written him off. I think he had a lot of talent. He just didn't have a lot of opportunity. Uh, he averaged, I think, it was a little over. All right, at four and a half, uh, somewhere around four and a half yards uh, a carry. Once he got um, actually, no, he averaged five point three. I'm sorry, um, five point three yards a carry, which I mean is a huge bump. I mean that's that's better than some of the top uh, running backs in the NFL was averaging. Uh, of course the the wide receiver. Um, thing. I think the, uh, on offensive side, I, I think that Arizona is lacking at, to have a a tight end, and a lot of people don't uh, attribute a tight end as a key position. But like we was talking in Seattle, uh, you do need a big body that can block and also be your release safety valve uh, to move those chains when you're when you're going through your progressions and looking downfield. So I think that if they can uh, get tight end uh, in Arizona, that offense is going to be um, great. Now, um, the defensive side, I think, uh, I think they're a product of the division they play in. I think they're a middle of the road defense, uh, but the division they play in is what really hampers them because you have some really high-powered offenses there uh, to face. You know, you're facing uh, three teams with high or offense that can produce. Um, so, just bear with that. I think this division is um, this divisions really going to be be tough. Uh, everybody goes back and listens to my. Uh, my high praises of the NFC West from last season, uh, and I was wrong. Sometimes it's it's given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I will I will admit I was wrong. But hey, I'll still hang my hat on that Alabama prediction. So I'll get I, a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. So, but I think this division is going to be a really fun division to watch. Um, Randy's going to get to watch most of it uh being over on the left coast uh he's he's going to get a lot of games in there of course i do too because where i work i get every game free nfl sunday ticket plug 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 we can't be bought we could be rented as harry says um uh, by god i i can be i'm i'm i can be bought between at&t and capital one they own my soul so uh i think it's going to be a really fun division um I'll go ahead and give my prediction on how it's going to finish. I think it's going to be Seattle by a landslide. Uh, then I think you're going to see. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to take a surprise. I think. Uh, I think I'm going to take um, Arizona to finish second, the Niners to finish third, and the Rams to to be the bottom of the division this year.
1: All right, a couple of things here. We'll reiterate your picks here once we get to the end of the vision. Sean, you're muted. That's why nobody can hear you. There was a reason you were eating, so I muted your mic. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but we can't hear you still, so you might have to, like, check your audio feed. You may have to leave the call and come back. Eric, you have the Rams.
2: Now, for as much intrigue, New stadium, hard knocks, which has been, especially given the offseason environment this year so far, pretty good. The Rams have just been kind of hanging around, especially after their last deep run to the Super Bowl. Now, there's been a couple of big questions, especially with some of the players that they've lost. Yes, you don't have the issue of Todd Gurley being at a running back anymore. But how is that going to be now that you have Malcolm Brown coming back? Now, again, under center, you have Jared Goff. Yes, he's working great in a Sean McVay offense. Yes, you have that classic 11 personnel that they run. But as you see, and it's being developed, there's a much better comfort that even he has within the system. As Sean McVay has been taking these walkthroughs very thoroughly, very seriously. The only issues are going to be how are things going to hold up at wide receiver. Yes, you still have Cooper Cup. Yes, you have Robert Woods. Yes, Van Jefferson is coming up and making some plays in practice. So if they can get a little bit more of a variation with their scheme, I think that's going to be some improvement. Defensively, as always, the front seven centers around Aaron Donald. He's been training. He's been really doing well, not just in keeping that quickness, keeping that physicality and upper body strength right. If you look at him physically, he's still dynamite. What he's also doing with a lot of the other guys on the team, he's actually taking this extra time and practice and coaching up, getting not only rushing schemes right, showing everybody along the line technique. So, if all of that can tend to sink in, I think that Rams, front-wise, defense will be much more formidable. And naturally, when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who is in a place where he's actually happy and house hunting and not bitching about a contract for once, yes, he can be in a position where he will be locked in and they will be doing just fine. Fine. I'm going to need a drink after that one. And also a kudos for bolstering up the offensive line with a bit more of a veteran presence with Andrew Whitworth. He may be a bit of an old man, but he still got some tricks up his sleeve. All right. So Jason already gave
1: his prediction, Seattle, Arizona, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Jason. He's nodding his head yes because he has his microphone muted. Randy, you're up next. Who you got?
0: Um, I'm actually surprised you said Seattle's going to run away with it. I have San Francisco winning it myself. I have Seattle second. I don't ever root for somebody to get injured, but if Wilson finally decided to get injured and Geno Smith could help the Jets have a better draft pick that they got from Seattle next year, that would be great. Uh, And then Arizona and the Rams, but – Honestly, I could see all four teams finishing eight and eight or better, and like at the same time. Not just saying all of them could make it to eight and eight. I think last place, last place in this division, could be eight and eight.
1: Um, first of all, Gino Smith can't even get along with his own teammates, let alone
0: help anybody else. I, I'm just saying, I, I'm, a, I'm a hopeful guy. All right.
2: Well, now, to be fair, I mean, if someone like I.K. Enick Polly could come out of retirement or wherever he is and maybe sign for someone like uh, San Francisco or otherwise, then you would have a very intriguing story.
1: I still can't believe the shade of Buffalo signing in Polly after he got fired for punching Gino.
2: <laughs> Eric,
1: what you got in the NFC West?
2: I've got Seattle taking it in a close one. I do agree for the most part with Randy, although I think Arizona won't quite get to 8-8, but I see Seattle winning it in a close race over San Francisco, winning it in a tiebreaker over L.A., and Arizona not too far behind. While I'm confident that L.A. is improving, I don't think uh, the Niners are going to fall off that much to warrant them going any lower. Uh, This division's
1: actually the toughest one for me to predict. Like Jason was saying, top to bottom, this is a really, really solid division. That being said, I, I think you have to go with the defending NFC West champions here. I have to take San Francisco to win the division. I... Do you think that the Rams will be a lot better than they were last year? Will they be good enough to surpass the Seahawks? I don't know. And Arizona is going to be one of those things where it depends on how much progression Kyler Murray makes in year two. So, officially, I'm going to say San Francisco, the Rams, Seattle, Arizona. Sean? I had to make sure Victoria? my microphone
4: was actually on this time. <laughs> uh, I also, not
1: party foul for not offering to share with the group.
4: Sorry, I wish I could send it to you long distance. Uh, so you oh. know, <laughs> man, uh, I, I want to say with this expanded playoff format. If we didn't have that, San Francisco would have some kind of uh, Super Bowl hangover a little bit and maybe miss, as most Super Bowl teams have done in the past. Uh, I don't know. Eric probably has a stat somewhere in his head. Um, But uh, I'm going to say that the 49ers somehow still do well enough to be the tops of this division. I think you're going to really see them be so compacted. It's going to be difficult. I feel like we're gonna wind up seeing more of the Rams of the end of the last year. Maybe they'll get second, and man, I don't know. I'm gonna say Arizona surprises and gets third, and S- Seattle's fourth. But I mean, we're talking about like maybe a game difference between these these teams. We're not talking about somebody's in the cellar. They're just all no. That, this is gonna that good. What
1: Randy said is 100% possible. It is entirely viable that these teams will split with each other in the division and then feast outside of it and end up in a situation where all of them finish at at least
0: 500. 100% viable. Not I, not I think that's light, very likely. spoil the- what I'm going to do in the next two weeks, but uh, all right, my prediction is the wild, the, a wild card does not come out of this division, but they all finish at least 8-8, eight and, eight, and it's mm. going to be crazy. See, I think
1: at least one of the wild cards does come out of this division, but we'll uh we'll go into we'll go into specific predictions as far as wild cards go in two weeks. Sean, before we get before you get going, why don't you go ahead and toss out a plug? Where can people uh, find you online?
4: Uh, well, I'm at wtm sean on Twitter. Um, I do a, a mostly regular video games podcast. On that's that's the official games podcast wtmnet dot Video games to the max. And, yeah, uh, catch be writing some game reviews and, and whatnot. Maybe sometimes doing an extra show with Randy here and there.
1: I mean, you both focus on video games. It would make sense that you guys would do something together, possibly. Uh, Jason, I can see you falling asleep over there, so why don't you go ahead and get your plugs in so you can get going to bed, Dinosaur.
3: I'm here. I'm here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at w 2 m chairman. Um, yeah, that's about the only place you're going to find me anymore. Uh, pretty much getting away from the old Twitter, uh, set for migrating everything over to my more professional, um, account. So, uh, always be on the lookout for any updates concerning the kickoff on the W2M network, uh, at W2M chairman. Uh, you'll see. The team reveal of who we have on the AFC side if Harry can remember uh, to call on nope. the AFC uh, next week so always look forward to that and always feel free to interact if you do happen to listen to the show and you do follow along uh, feel free to shoot a message about a topic that you may want or a question you may want to be brought to the table concerning AFC teams uh, and I'm sure one of us will be willing to tackle it. Um until then, uh it's on to the next episode.
2: Yay yay.
1: You're gonna save that for the end? I'll cue you in if you want me to, Eric.
2: Well naturally, because we all haven't done our plugs yet.
1: All right. Jason's gone, but in fairness he has to work early tomorrow, so uh Randy, where can people find you online?
0: You can find me at Randy Isabel on Twitter and also at chapter underscore select. Uh, our next episode will be out Thursday. Uh, we're going to do the first six chapters of Judgment, uh, me and Jens, where we just, it's a book club for video games, basically. So if you played that game or you're playing it right now, join us there as we discuss what we think of it so far. Eric, where can people find you online?
2: I am online at Squid Sportshead. I'm well. There's a lot of things that I could be live tweeting, but Netflix has had me strangely intrigued over these past couple of weeks, so you might see me tweet about things like that. Uh, if you want to talk about other non-sports stuff, you can find me on Facebook under Eric Watkins. You know the drill line now. If not, eh, guy, recliner, wine, Jags gear, etc. Yeah, you know the drill. We can talk about tutoring any kinds of things. Lately, I have been starting some fights, which I find is now easier than ever. Now, if you're looking for reasons to be thoroughly distracted, like I was, thanks to a certain co-host that dipped out a couple of minutes ago, you can slide on my DMs on Twitter, go through the standard vetting process, and you will gain access to my Snapchat, my Telegram, my dark Twitter, anything to your heart's desire. And naturally, this plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC, affiliated with Dun & Bradstreet. Website coming soon. Commercial in the works. I'm H-E-B the Eagle on all of your social media
1: platforms, Twitter, Instagrams. I, if I had a Snapchat, I would be H-E-B the Eagle, but I don't use that. So, you know, whatever. Um, Harry Broadhurst on Facebook, by all means, feel free to reach out. Like Jason said, if you guys have topics that you want to see us cover here on the kickoff, let us know. We're more than happy to take fan suggestions. And if the topic is relevant and if the topic is something that we feel we can get a good show out of, we'll definitely bring it to the table. Uh, Greatest of all teams, for example, started as us just kind of spitballing postseason ideas, and it turned into an eight-episode situation where we got into some really good discussions about players present and the past and who we think in the current rosters could become the greatest of all teams going forward as well. So by all means, feel free to message uh, Jason Teasley at W2M chairman. Feel free to message myself at H-E-B the Eagle. Feel free to find us on Facebook. Feel free to send us an email over on the W2M network website. And we'll be happy to at least consider the idea that you have for the show. In addition, I have two other podcasts that I am a part of. I do, the kick, I do the kickoff here on the W2M Network, obviously. I do the reaction over on the Chairshot Radio Network. Myself and 411 Manious Tony Acero discuss Raw and SmackDown on a weekly basis in addition to covering the pay-per-views as they happen. And joining once again this next Monday night, Liz Puglisi returns to the reaction starting on Monday after her extended hiatus due to some family issues that she was going through. So it'll be nice to have Liz back on Monday. In addition, I got to throw a quick plug out to my friend Clint Domingue, who's a part of Fantasy Wrestling League, but also the host of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast and an actual uh, sports radio talk show host on The Game 1037 in – Louisiana I forget the exact city But I, I know there's a number for I know there. I forget the exact city he's told me Before but I don't remember but I'll look that up And I'll put that inside of the information for the episode For the show episode He, he does the Cajun Strong style Podcast and I just joined him earlier today To preview NXT takeover this Saturday Night I think that wraps us up Gentlemen For the departed Chairman Jason Teasley For Sean Garmer for, special guest spotting here. Are you going to be joining us for the AFC next week as well, Sean? Yes, I am. All right. For Randy Isbell and for the producer, Eric Watkins. Lafayette. I'm Harry... That's the city. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Watkins. Indeed. 103.7, <laughs> the game. <laughs> a I'm K- here
2: sports station.
4: <laughs> Random.
1: <laughs> oh No, that's the, the 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 station that Clint hosts the show on.
4: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Anyway, for Jason, Sean, Randy, and Eric, I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what?
2: Spotify is here.
1: And fuck you, Rob Manfred, before we get out of here, threatening Trevor Bauer for his Free Joe Kelly cleats. Fuck you. Free Joe Kelly! Free Joe Kelly! More of that here on the next episode. Hey, 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 hey. Smoke weed every day. Of the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network.